<laughs> Happy New Year! Happy New Year, guys! It's the first of the... <laughs> Kill me! <laughs> The Mud Peddlers, a podcast where two nerdy ceramic artists share the behind the scenes of their worlds of clay. We're your hosts, Lindsay M. Dillon. And I am Dante of Earth Nation. Today we're going to be talking about <laughs> what kinds of clays we've used, why we use them, and our experiences with experimenting with different kinds of clays. Yeah, I had a very, like, the way I was taught, or the way I was, I guess, raised in the ceramic community with clay is like, you have to kind of go up a scale and porcelain is the very last step. <laughs> but you find that like my teacher did that not because he thought I had to work up to porcelain, but more so that I wouldn't be spoiled. But we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess, why are we talking about this in the first place, Dante? Like, tell me, tell me, I mean, I have some thoughts, of course, of but, course yeah. but tell me, tell me why you think or what, it, what is it about the technical aspects of different clay bodies that our dear listeners will need to keep in mind in terms of like choosing a clay body and like why it's important in the first place? Well, feel is very much so a big decider in what clay you want to use. For example, most clays come as a, two basic generals, right? It's clay with and without grog. Clay without grog usually has a top base, especially if it's porcelain. And that's like, hey! There's not little tiny rocks in this clay. <laughs> it's probably going to feel really smooth, and most people usually compare it to cream cheese. Oh, yes. Right? It's like throwing porcelain. Pure porcelain is like throwing cream cheese. Clay with a grog in it is usually what I suggest for people who are not beginners, but need something with a little more tooth to it. It usually takes colors a little bit better. You have to be really on your game with your glaze work. If you're using porcelain, you have to really know what you're going to use. It's a little less pure, but I don't mean that in a positive sense. The word pure, I mean mm. that in the sense of it just has less grit to it. It's a little more smooth. It takes a tiny bit more respect uh, to craft, but that's Wait, not... What do, you, what do you mean respect to craft? Well, I can slap around B-mix with grog all day long. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I can't really slap around porcelain and expect for it to be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Porcelain's yeah. like, I remember what you did to me. <laughs> but B-Mix is like, I could take it. I got grog in me. Oh my God. Yeah. Grog is essentially the potter word for little tiny, tiny rocks in your clay body. But think of it as building blocks, right? It just kind of helps your clay stick together as you work with it. Although in my experience, I noticed it absorbs a little more water. But by the time I'm done throwing at this level, I haven't used a lot of water anyway. Yeah, yeah. Right. Also, there's shrinkage rate. Mm -hmm. That definitely applies. Every single clay has a different shrinkage rate. You can find the shrinkage rates on digitalfire.com. Type in the name of your clay, B-Mix, Porcelain, Nara, Redstone, Texas White, Great White, whatever you use, every clay has a different type of shrinkage. Because I'm sure, as you potters have noticed, mm -hmm. when you put your stuff in the kiln, it don't come out the same size. <laughs> You can make something two feet tall. It's not coming out two feet. <laughs> it is not. It is going to shrink both during the bisque firing and the glaze firing. Even the drying, it shrinks a little yeah, bit. Yeah, right? yeah. And I want to do an episode about that. The problem is it. I would have to record one or two pieces for like a month. I'll have the time someday. Yeah. Uh, there's also a matter of what the clay body is made out of. For example, redstone has iron in it. It's red, right? Porcelain doesn't usually have extra additives like that in it where it would affect the color too much. So my redstone looks really good in my floating blue. But on porcelain, I have to double dip it because that's how it gets really blue. Mm -hmm. But on redstone, for some reason, the red iron oxide, or the rather the iron in the red clay body, really helps promote those blues in my floating blue. Huh, that's interesting actually. Oh yes, whenever I get a batch of red, I use floating blue immediately. Yeah, it's great. And those are just like... Think of all those factors, but for one clay body. Yes. You know what I mean? So 
we're going to talk about the experience that we've had with multiple clay bodies, Lindsay and I, today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And just to review so for our for our dear listeners, so you've covered why we're talking about clay bodies in the first place, mm. are um, keeping in mind the feel, so essentially whether your clay has grog in it or not, right. and that affects things, many different things, but just in terms of what it actually feels like. So do you want to be throwing on the wheel with something that's going to be exfoliating your hands like crazy, exactly, yeah. or do you want to <laughs> be, you know, throwing with cream cheese or something in between? Not actual cream cheese, although people did do that for a hot second i remember that yeah you remember that on Instagram? yeah people would like you can here's the thing you can actually throw with cream cheese and it looks very impressive until you're like working with really pure porcelain you're like oh it feels exactly the same <laughs> if you can't dip your chips in it yeah you can't i mean you're not supposed to yeah i mean you could but anyway uh, <laughs> okay so we have the feel of the clay we have the shrinkage rate yes. um which is essentially just how much your clay shrinks between the bisque firing and the glaze firing and and also as it's just drying before you even bisque fire it of course and just adding to that part of the reason that makes a difference is glazes are also made to fit different kinds of clays better yeah so if you have like for instance i'll you know i'll go into this a little bit more but if you have you have a glaze that's made to fit a clay body Mm. that shrinks at a certain rate. Mm. If you change out that clay body and use the same glaze, that glaze may not exactly fit because a glaze is a little bit like a glove fitting on a hand, I guess, to simplify it. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. it's it's one of the things that troubled me for a good year is I had this Oribe glaze that wouldn't fit like any of my B-mix for some (laughs) reason. And sooner or later, after asking so many people, all these theories came up on Facebook. Maybe it's this, maybe it's this, maybe you did the glaze recipe wrong. The gravity. One person was like, change your clay body. <laughs> and I was like, all right. So I did, and it totally worked. It works better on redstone, my Oribe glaze, than it does on um, B-Mix with no grog. And that's purely because of the, th- I'm going to call it thermal expansion, although I-, I feel like I'm using that term incorrectly. Mm. Um, so far, what I've been taught by the- those crazy YouTubers out there <laughs> is that clay and glaze, when they're heated up to a certain extent, you can kind of pretend they're both breathing and they expand and contract, right? If they don't contract and expand at the same rate, much like the glove you were talking about, they tend to put stress on the glaze matrix, and that will in turn create little tiny cracks, which will also in turn make the clay body a little bit weaker. A lot of my Oribe glazes are a little bit more prone to cracking the body than they are the glaze itself. So crazing all around just isn't isn't good for the sturdiness and structure of the the clay body and the glaze, not mentioning it's not food safe, but yeah. the easiest fix is to like either add more silica or the easier fix, just change your clay body if you're willing. If you change up your clay body, do test tiles to make sure that, you know, the glazes, the, if you, anytime you change anything in your studio yes. practice, make test tiles. You have to kind of test it on most things. Yes. It's, it's even, not even test tiles, like maybe even put it on a real bowl like I do just because test tiles are so small sometimes you can't really see them. One tester per every kiln load is my motto. And that's how I get a large majority of the random knowledge that I get. Oh. It's like, oh, did you know that if you put this into this glaze, it does this? No, how'd you know that? I got bored. Yeah. And I had space in my kiln. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we've gone over the feel, which includes grog, no grog, cream cheese, etc., etc. Yes, yes. Shrinkage, which has to do with how much it changes and how that impacts the clay body's relationship to glaze. And then the third thing was what clay is made out of, and that can change a lot of different things, but primarily it impacts like the color of the glaze. And so if you're using like a red clay versus a white clay, 
glaze is going to look different on a white clay body versus a oh, red clay body. And then course. the materials within the clay itself can interact with the glazes. Right. So, so here's the thing I feel like it's just a bar none thing that I feel like a lot of people don't notice or understand is clays are basically made in the same way that glazes are made. Mm -hmm. There's a certain amount of like EPK and nephilene cyanide and XYZ and this chemical and this chemical. And that's what, after you get the clay, after purifying it, they add, they have these additives into it, right? That make it a certain consistency, a certain melt. It melts at a certain cone, all right? Just like a glaze recipe, if you ever put one together. Those differences in the additives will usually affect your, your shrinkage rate and your glazes that you put on the pot, all right? So technically speaking, as for those of you who are like catching on right now, you can make your own clay bodies. You can. But I don't do it, it's hard. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm I, don't, I don't do it either. I don't do that, it's no. hard. No, I already make my own glazes, I'm good. Yes, 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 yes. You bringing that up reminds me that another thing to keep in mind with the clay bodies in general is that like there are low fire clays and high fire clays. Like I feel like that's something- F low fire clay! Uh, there's nothing wrong with low fire clay! F it! Oh my gosh. Anyway, but I feel like that is important to remember because it's like I had a conversation with someone recently who, who literally never worked with clay at all, but they wanted to make something as a gift for their partner. And I was like, okay, so how do I, for someone who's never worked with clay, like how do I like introduce yeah. this topic? And so for me, I, I forget that like, oh yeah, if you've never worked with clay before, you know, you may not know that there's like no idea. low fire clays versus high fire clays. Yeah. And that's, that's another important technical thing to keep in mind. There's but, strong clays and not strong clays. <laughs> yes. Basically the higher the temperature, the, 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 at least as far as I understand, the higher the temperature, the stronger the clay body is. So there's, yes. there's like cone, mm -hmm. cone like 10 would be like. Really strong for really, craft. Yeah. Yeah. But like your toilet is probably like cone 14. Yes. Jet engine parts are like cone 21. Uh, there's ceramic tiles that are on the outside of like space shuttles are mm -hmm. a ridiculous temperature. Oh my God, I can't even imagine. They have to be fired really, well because the higher the temperature goes, the stronger and the more refractory it is to heat. Yeah, industrial ceramics is just, it's amazing. Like I forget oh, yeah. about that sometimes. I mean. Um, yeah, you forget, we forget that like the part that ceramics play in our everyday lives mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. much. There's so many ceramics just inside of like wires and your ceramic brakes for your car that you're just take advantage for, you know, because you're like, eh, that, they're just there. They're ceramic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of clay, what kind of clay did you start out with when you first started working with ceramics? When I was going to college for it, Yoshio Taylor started me out with this clay from the, from the store on campus. Mm -hmm. Which is automatically a bad thing in my book now. <laughs> uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, my my attack city we had B mix with grog and B mix. So it, it would be to me now. It's like buying clay from Hobby Lobby. Uh, it, it doesn't. The clay doesn't rotate out enough to get fresh clay every time. Uh, so half okay. the time I go in there, I'm like, this is a really bad bag of clay. <laughs> no okay. one goes to Hobby Lobby for clay, and if they do, they're I don't know. Also, no one who cares about like rights should go to Hobby Lobby. Right, anyway. yeah, just, you know, <laughs> not a fan of Hobby Lobby yeah, either, to not, be honest. Not so much. Anyway. For, for reasons that you can easily look up online yourself. Yes. So, yeah, I I started with this clay called 811 Buff. Oh, okay. And the 811 was to go in between cone 8 to cone 11. Okay, and, and just just by any chance, if we, don't, if we have listeners who don't know what a cone is. Yes. Uh, the cone is a specific temperature that you're supposed to fire it to. So if you get cone 5 B-mix, it, that's its highest temperature it can go up to, or that it's supposed to go to actually, uh, to be fully vitrified and all that, is cone five. 
Yeah. Even though most of us take it over that into Cone 6. Uh, <laughs> um, Shh, Dante, no one's supposed to know that. There's a little bit of wiggle. There's, to be honest, there's a little bit of wiggle room. Like, yeah. I buy Cone yeah. 5 porcelain and then I fire it to Cone 6 and it turns out fine every time. Yeah. I started off with 811 buff and then after I went from 811 buff, I went to garbage clay. But that's because Yoshio had a very. He was like, you're starting off with crap. And then you're working up to better clay. Huh. Wait, right? so what, what constituted garbage clay? Garbage clay was the recycled clay. Oh, okay. Like on my live cast, whenever yeah. I go, this is garbage clay, by the way. Or whenever I do a YouTube video and I go, this is garbage clay. Yeah. What I mean is it's a bunch of different clays of the same cone mixed together. Oh, okay. And I have no idea what it's going to come out as because they're different ratios every time. Okay, okay. But I refuse to waste clay. So what about you? What'd you start off with? So... Funny, I actually thought I started off with B mixed with Grog, but when you said 811 buff, a tiny little memory yeah. from high school Lindsay yeah. popped into my head, and that is actually the clay that I started with, but I literally remember nothing about it. But it's, it's kinda groggy. You can sculpt with it, but you can also throw with it. It's a it's a real good like everybody clay to start off with. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, so so I used 811 buff, and then I I think the next one that I used was actually sculpture 412. Oh, man. And that is not a clay that you want to wheel throw with. No. I was just doing sculpture with this because it is literally like, you know those pumice stones that you, like, you see for sale? It's yeah. basically that. Yeah. It is super, super groggy, but it's really it's really good for, for sculptural work. They so. ground off grandma's calluses and they put them in this clay. <laughs> oh, God, that's disgusting. And they put them in this clay. <laughs> and that's how hard the clay is. And you're throwing with sandpaper. Pretty pretty much. Like really rough sandpaper. You know those weightlifters who have like calluses on their hands from touching the grip of the bar way too much? That's what you're throwing with. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. They just snip those off and they put them in the clay. Oh, geez. All right, enough, enough for the body horror, Dante. This is gross. I'm sorry. Oh my god. But yeah, okay, so after 811 buff and then sculpture 412, okay. I used B Mix with Grog. So you which... just went like one, two, B-mix. Pretty much. So so I used I used 811 buff and sculpture 412 when I was in high school. So before I went to college. Then I, I went off to college. I didn't really do that much ceramics when I was in college. I was like doing a bunch of different media. And then when I graduated and came back and started taking continuing education classes at the community college, mm -hmm. they had B-mix with grog. I see. Yeah. So so that's what I started working with. And oh, we should tell we should tell them how B-mix is named. <gasps> yes. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. Okay, Dante, you go. I go. forgot I forgot about this. Okay, okay. You have to know this. You have to know this. So, usually people who come up with the recipes, much for glazes, they name the recipes after themselves. So, like, Ron Roy's High Gloss Black was created by Ron Roy. Randy's Red, I don't know his last name, was created by Randy, right? Uh, June Perry's Pink, June Perry, right? Let's keep going. So, whenever you get clays with, with different recipes, you get the same thing. For example, Coleman Porcelain is made by Tom Coleman. He came up with the recipe for Coleman Porcelain. When he sells that clay, his name is on that clay, okay? B-Mix... Was <laughs> the last name of the person who made B mix? His name is Butt, B U T T. But you, you can look this up. Nope, I'm not lying to you. Butt mix. But they couldn't sell it as Butt mix. <laughs> and I think their PR person was like, "We gotta call it something else." We gotta call it, yeah, yeah. And Josh at Alpha Fire, he told me this, and I was like, "You're lying. You're you're lying." You were lying. He's like, nah, man. It was like three, four years ago he told me this. Oh, my God. And he turned, he goes, look. And he looks it up on the computer. He shows me. And I'm like, holy crap. Oh, my God. I've been using butt mix. <laughs> Shout out to Josh from Alpha Fired Arts here in Sacramento for bringing that bit of joy into our lives. Yeah. <laughs> He's He knows, like, weird 
he knows like weird little tidbits like that every now and oh, then. Oh my god. And it's so funny. It's so funny to hear it. <laughs> oh, that really is. Oh, that's glorious. That is so glorious. Okay, so after you worked with butt mix. With butt <laughs> Okay, so so after you worked with garbage clay, then you started working with butt mix. I no, 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 no. So <laughs> I, so I worked with I worked with eight eleven buff. Okay. To start out with, and then once once I got some aptitude with clay, I ended up working with garbage clay, which is like essentially recycled clay. Yeah, yeah. And then Yosho gave us a choice. He goes, you can work with different clays now, but you need to make sure they're this, this, and this. You know. So after that, I started working with redstone. Okay. And at the point at redstone, I was like, this is such a higher quality of clay. I was a little bastard. I was <laughs> like, I want porcelain. And he was like, you're not ready for porcelain. And I was uh... like, I want porcelain. <laughs> and he was like, no. <laughs> but if you keep trying with him, he will sooner or later give in. So after a while, he goes, fine. And he pulls out this bag of like three-year-old porcelain that he was saving just for himself. Uh -huh. And he gives me a little piece of it. And he goes, if you can throw that, well, I'll let you use porcelain in the class. Oh, my God. And I was like, I got it. I did not got it. You did not? <laughs> no. It what was, happened? It was really hard to throw with. I realized why, immediately why he put me on like the, the more gritty clays first. Mm -hmm. It really felt like cream cheese. It was yeah. very soft. I think it was called Georgia porcelain. Okay. He said it was like from the Georgia mountains. He was oh. like, it's really expensive. It's like $20 a bag. Oh, and this was like when cl like clay prices have gone up since then, right? Mm -hmm. Grant. So this was probably like... $25 a bag, like, comparison to now, right? But he, like, you could see him in the corner, like, <laughs> you're having trouble. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I told you, you little nerd. <laughs> but, what was what was the difference between, like, working with a redstone versus the porcelain? Like, what do you remember being the primary difference? It had no grit to it. It was very clean and chalky. It felt like talc. Uh, later on, I learned it was a talc base. Um, and when I say talc base, ladies and gentlemen and everything else, uh, I mean, like, Talcum powder, like yes, like that. That's what I'm talking about. Talc. What else? It was super smooth. It had no grit to it, no color to it. It hated having extra water on it. So mm. at that point in my art art journey, I was like getting sponges full of water and dumping it on. Uh, yeah, be yeah. Because your brain goes slippery equal good. More water equal more slippery. More water, better slippery, longer time. <laughs> but realistically, your clay body is just soaking up the excess water. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's kind of tiring out your clay for a lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. What you want to do is you want to use the least amount of water you can to get the most like hydroplane. But that's another story. I think that's a fairly important thing to consider, though, is that different kinds of clays absorb water and can deal with water yes. differently as you're throwing with it on the wheel. Grog yeah. generally takes more water, but handles it better. As for porcelain, yeah. usually rejects water. When you add more water to it, it falls apart and becomes impossible to work with more quickly. Yes, yeah. but things with grog in it, usually like bee mix with grog, you can add water and those little bits of grog rocks will like absorb the water a tiny bit for lack of a better term, or it'll handle it better. Mm -hmm. It does like, it'll just soak up more water. Yeah. Essentially. As for porcelain, we'll take the same amount of water, but it'll become tired much quicker usually. Yeah, which um, makes things like raising the walls, like. God, I, I remember working, actually I just remember something. Yeah. I actually worked with porcelain in sculpture a little bit. I do not know why I did this. I was gonna say why. I don't, I don't know, but it cracked like crazy. Yeah, you really was, have to slow dry porcelain. Yes, yeah. yes. But I remember 
when I experimented, when I was experimenting with different clays and I tried working with porcelain, I don't remember which, which kind it was. Right. But yeah, like I, I just remember like trying to raise the walls, trying to like collar it in yeah. and it just either the walls ripped yep. or I couldn't get it to collar in without the get, wobble without getting like the little like wobble thing yeah it was just it was not it was not fun to work with but i mean but also i didn't really put that much time into learning how to throw with porcelain like yeah so i'm sure you know again you put time into anything you'll get better at it of course it's a skill time into it. yeah the only the only people who are good at things immediately are like savants everything yeah. everything else is a skill yeah once i got used to working with a b-mix with grog because mm -hmm. that's again what i worked with at sac city right i i did start experimenting a little bit with some different some different clay bodies and i think i mainly worked with great white yeah which is it's kind it's, it's kind of like a porcelain like it, it doesn't have any grog or has very little grog in it it's super smooth and buttery yeah i also worked with b-mix without grog what was interesting about the two of those that i ran into is I had trouble with that glaze fitting. Yeah. So the glazes that we used at Sac City, which again, because at the time I didn't have like my own glazes at home. Right. I was having really major issues where the entire cup would have a gigantic jagged like break in it. The entire cup would like torque and then I, I can't even describe what it did, but it was basically just like a giant crack would go up the entire side of the pieces that I made. Yeah. And it happened often enough that I was like, okay, this is kind of frustrating that like literally everything I'm making is just not working just because the clay body doesn't fit the way that the glazes were formulated. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... But, but it was really pretty. Like I like having working with like the, the great white comes out basically as white as porcelain, not quite as white. Yeah. But I mean, again, nothing, nothing quite like matches the, the paleness right. of porcelain. It's like, you know, Gondor calls for aid. Um, that's yeah. how white it is. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, but, uh, it's calling the cops on people for just selling bottles of water on the street. <laughs> that's how white it is. That's how white it is. Pretty much for having a barbecue in your back, your own backyard, your own property. Yeah. It's, it's calling the cops. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's how white it turns out. out. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we've talked about working with redstone. We've talked about working with, like, some of the quasi-porcelain clay bodies, like B-Mix without grog and great white. Uh, speckled buff is another one that I want to talk about. Oh, my God. Yes. I've, I've never worked with speckled buff, but I've seen plenty of people work with it. Yes. And from, from my point of view, it's just, like, any white glaze you put on it gets little speckles in it. Yes. Which is why it's called speckle buff, it's right? It's called speckle buff, yeah. It's very, uh, Natasha was talking about it last, last episode, and she was like, yeah, it's like the, like the basic bitch of pottery. And I was like, yeah. I've never, I've barely even seen this clay. <laughs> I've never, but now when I see it, I'm like, I get why people would want that. You can still see the dots in the, yeah, you know. That's definitely what drew it to me when I first started working with it, is that it's just that, again, if all you've ever worked with up to that point is just like matte clay bodies, like, you know, be mixed with grog, having a clay body like oh once it comes out of the glaze firing it has this different kind of visual texture it's like yeah. it's like discovering this whole new thing for the first time and so it's really exciting right and i feel like since when i first started working with it like what seven plus years ago something like that mm -hmm. it wasn't as popular i feel like within our visual culture but yeah. now i feel like you know you see that style a lot more where it's like kind of organic shape yeah speckled buff clay or if not that specific clay like a clay body that has speckles in it yes and then a white glaze i feel like that aesthetic language has become much more popular in the last like few years yeah it's the so, same reason why tenmuku gold is so popular as a glaze it's like oh i still see specks in it it's pretty hey pretty it is nice and i, I say that without any judgment like attached to that because again it's like how dare you like things with your eyes 
it is it is it is very it is very pretty but the one the one downside to working with speckled buff i feel like is that with clay bodies like be mixed with grog or be mixed without grog etc etc yeah i feel like you can kind of get away with not sanding your bottoms like it's better to, yeah you can yeah yeah but with speckled buff because at least as far as i understand it what causes those speckles is like little bits of iron yes and so during the glaze firing Okay, so this is this is showcasing my lack of the technical knowledge, but right. essentially what happens is these tiny little bits of hard pieces of clay kind of rise to the surface of the clay and make it really, really rough. So that's that's one thing to keep in mind is that like if you're getting into clay like for the first time and you want that look, just keep that in mind that you will need sandpaper to sand the bottoms of your pieces because otherwise you're gonna tear the shit yes. out of your tables. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it because it is a relatively groggy clay, it is a, a good one for beginners because it, it, it has it's more flexible to work with. Yeah, I think there's one more that's kind of like it. I wouldn't stop calling is a bad way to introduce it. Yeah. I wouldn't stop calling it the baby poo clay. Ah. Um, the people at Alpha literally called it easy center clay. Oh. And it it literally looks like baby poo. Huh. Well, it depends on the baby, I guess. But yeah, I'm thinking like, oh, that could it's, very. It's <laughs> like kind of like brownish bile color, like brown and green mixed together, Ooh, kind of. Pretty. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. But I tried it once, and I was like, this is the softest clay ever. He goes, yeah, it's, it's meant for, like, real beginner, beginner, beginners. Like, children. Like, people who can't center at all. It's yeah. meant for them. And I was huh. like, oh, okay. Um, it's awful. Don't fire it. It still looks like baby poo when it comes out. Wait, but it can... You can fire it, though. Like, it yeah. can go to temperature. Oh, yeah, you can okay. fire okay. it. Yeah, okay. it, they it come in cones. It just doesn't, maybe it just doesn't look nice? It just looks like baby poo. Okay. Yeah, I forgot what it's called, or else I'd, I'd tell you the name of it, but... I always refer to it as, as easy center clay because mm -hmm. <laughs> it literally says on the bag it has like a ch like a, a teen or a child They're like it's so easy to center with a little word bubble Aww. above his head and from that point on I'm like that's called easy center clay. Yeah, yeah, sounds <laughs> sounds about right. And but it has a real name. It's like Omega something something. I don't know. So we've talked a little bit about different clays that we've experimented with. Do you feel like there's any clays that you want to talk about that you've worked with that we haven't gone over and like kind of talk about what it was like working with it and like if you how you'd recommend it to folks? The way that I recommend clay is I tell people to get something who are beginners uh, with grog in it first mm -hmm. because I'm like it's just a little more grit. It gives you a little more practice. It can stay on the wheel longer. That's usually what I tell people. Get something with a grog. The only time that's gone bad, that advice has gone bad, is when somebody accidentally got sculpture clay. Oh, God. Yeah. So keep in mind that throwable clay with grog in it is different from sculpture clay. Sculpture clay has really, really large bits of grog in it. It's meant to stand up against gravity and to sculpt with, right? Mm -hmm. You can still smooth it out. Granted, it's meant to stick together. As I said before, grog is basically the building blocks of clay to a certain extent. And this person was like, it feels like it hurts my hands. And I was like, show me the bag. And it was like straight like sculpture 80 to 100 mesh grog. Oh God. And I was like, oh my God, that's not throwable clay. She goes, how do you know? I'm like, it says sculpture on it. <laughs> she goes, the guy at the front desk gave it to me. I'm like, is he a sculptor? She goes, yeah. And I was like, all right then, maybe not. <laughs> Don't ask the sculptor. Yeah, if you're if you're shopping for clay, like let the person know what you're gonna be doing with that clay. Yeah. Because that is that is important for them to know if they're recommending clays to you. Yes. So just keep in mind there is a difference in between sculpture grog and grog that is throwable. Okay? Yes. Uh, the second thing is that after grog, I usually tell them to experiment the grog clays. Kind of like Texas white or great white, mm -hmm. something of that nature. And then after they get tired of that, after they experience a lot of those things, I go, okay, 
try and play with some colored clays. Like go 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 for some redstone. You know, go for some speckled buff. Go go for some stuff that's not just white. There are things outside of the experience of white that are pleasurable, and you'll never like know them until you get out of that field of view of like, oh, white good. Mm. Dark bad. <laughs> huh. Interesting how that could uh, mm, yeah, you could find parallels mm. in the in uh, subjects outside of ceramics. I'm mm. not saying. I'm just saying. Mm, yes. Mm. <laughs> um. For for example, my favorite clay is redstone. It's just a darker clay body. It's a little messy. Granted, it's a little messier. It's not really messier. It's just the difference is you can see the red clay on your hands and whatnot and clothes. As for white, you can just kind of like ignore it most of the time. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, it's just some white clay body. Red is like everywhere. You can <laughs> very clearly see it. And it can stain more easily. And then after that whole gambit, that should take a few years. Mm -hmm. After that, I usually go, okay, now start playing with stuff that's not porcelain, but has porcelain-like qualities. So B-Mix with no grog is a fantastic example. Yeah. Great white is pretty close. Although it still has grog in it, it has less grog in it. Um, go on Digital Fire, look for clays that have less grog than the previous clays you were messing with. And then after all that, get like low quality porcelain. Mm. Steve's White, uh, not Steve's White, Steve's <clears throat> Porcelain mm -hmm. is a really good low quality porcelain. After you mess with porcelain, like from there, it's just you. Yeah. If you touch porcelain and you don't like it, just go back to the regular stuff that I was suggesting. Yeah. But I, if you do like it, keep going forward. More expensive clays, more expensive porcelain, see what you like. Mm -hmm. um, also keep in mind that if you like a certain clay body, uh, but there's like a little too much grog in it or like it doesn't have enough grog in it check to see who makes it What company makes it because they most likely have a clay that is adjacent to that most clay companies will like Amico like takes a glaze They make a base they put oxides and carbonates in it and that's a color and yeah. different oxides and carbonates that's the color But the base is the same right? Clay companies do the same thing where they take a base They put certain things in it and that's a clay and then they take the base of that clay Recipe and they put something else in it and that's another clay. It's yeah. not it's not like every single clay body is worlds apart, you know? So if you find something like B-Mix and you want more grog in it, they do make B-Mix with grog. Just double check the company if you want to get something that's adjacent to the clay you like, but it needs a little tweaking. Yes, yes, that's 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 a really good point. I feel like what you brought up just then is is important and good to reiterate because it's something that we talked about before we turned on the recorder. Right. But kind of talking about the the expectation that porcelain is the epitome of clay and that yeah. if you don't work with porcelain then you are somehow you're a failure you're a failure or something yeah. like that and it's like honestly i believe that experimenting with different kinds of clay bodies is important because you you learn to appreciate different qualities in the different clay bodies you know and you can experimenting is a way to fuel your creative juices yes so i feel like it's important to do at least a little bit of experimenting oh a lot a lot yeah well i feel like even if you don't experiment a lot with different kinds of clay bodies because again like maybe you're more interested in experimenting with making glazes right or with different shapes or something you know so it's not like when i say it's important to experiment you know that doesn't ha mean exclusively with with clay bodies right? right but like at the same time i basically started out with b-mix with grog and i currently work with b-mix oh yeah and i do it at a professional level and yes. that so remember that you don't have to work with like the really expensive nice stuff to, yes, to be a professional like part of the reason i use b-mix with grog is it it's not that expensive it's really flexible so like for me i would rather work with a clay that i can quickly produce things with and there's more flexibility mm. so i'm not wasting as much time like having to remake pieces because oh this clay body that i use if i don't dry it super super carefully it's yes. gonna crack like i need clay that can have that flexibility to like okay i need to dry this a little faster than i normally would and yes. not have it completely get screwed up oh that's another thing grog clay usually dries 
not faster, but a little more safely. Yeah. Like porcelain is diff You have to really slow dry it because mm -hmm. it doesn't have that grog to keep it together. But like bee mix with grog, you can kind of in the winter you kind of leave it out. Yeah. Yeah. It it dries slowly anyway. It has grog in it, but porcelain is like cover me up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want anyone to see my naked clay bod. <laughs> Okay, so so what what kind of clays do you use consistently like now as part of your studio practice? Uh, so I've whittled it down. I've maybe worked with about 20 different clays, probably more in my life. But what I've whittled down is when I use redstone, I'm using something with a lot of color. Mm -hmm. Like floating blue, my floating blue glazes, something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, or I'm doing raw clay bodies. Okay. When I'm using B-mix or B-mix with no grog, I'm using it as a base. So like that's what I usually use. I don't need to get fancy. You know, I might do some sculpture. I might do some, you know, I might make a couple something something for no reason. If I'm getting porcelain, mm -hmm. I'm making mugs. I'm ah. making mugs for sure. Huh. Porcelain for me has always been seen as the dinnerware exception to the rule. Like I'm not gonna sculpt out of porcelain. I'm just, yeah. it's just not my, I'm just not gonna. Not to say it is, but in my mind, I'm like, why would you, why would you spend something so tactilely delicious on like sculpture? You know what I mean? Like, I want to feel it, I want to touch it, things yeah. of that nature. Well, I will say that not having grog when you're sculpting mm -hmm. is really nice. So, like, you, yes. when you're working with, like, a really smooth clay body like porcelain and sculpting with it, mm -hmm. you can get detail that is really hard to get. Really? With Yeah, because normally sculpture clay bodies have grog in them, right? Uh -huh. If you're trying to get a detail on an eye and you're trying to get a smooth line and then all of a sudden you hit a rock right. and that rock tears out and screws up the line, that's frustrating. But there are other kinds of clays that are, they're not porcelain, but they're still really smooth and actually made to be sculpted with. I see. That are that are really smooth. So you can get that kind of detail, but you're not necessarily using porcelain. But I see. That, but that's the advantage of having a really, really smooth clay body when you're sculpting. I see. I've never experienced that. I have no idea. But like, honestly, well, let me think. Steve's White was the porcelain I used for a while. Now it's Nara. Yeah, now it's Nara porcelain. Okay, so that's what you use when you're like, I'm buying a bag of porcelain and I'm making mugs. And I don't buy them often. I, mm -hmm. I buy them maybe like once every three months where I'm like, this is bag of porcelain for mugs. When I get home today, I'm making mm -hmm. like, I'm spending that bag of porcelain. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's in between B-Mix with Grog, Redstone, and I think these are all either Laguna or Aardvark okay. clays, the companies that make them. But it's either Redstone, B-Mix, B-Mix with Grog, B-Mix without Grog, Steve's White, or either Hagi or Nara porcelain. I'm pretty Steve, sure at the moment, huh? Steve's white? I'm sorry, Steve's porcelain. Okay, okay, yeah. I was like, Steve, okay, I think it's these other before, okay. Steve's white is a low fire clay. It just fires out white, but it looks gray mm. when you see the bag. Okay. Steve's porcelain is white and fires white. You're right, okay. But I'm very rarely using, I'm very rarely using white clay bodies for like traditional stuff. It's very rare that I make a, like a Japanese tea bowl out of porcelain. I just, oh. it's not, it's not a thing I do. Okay. It's not like there's a reason behind it. It's just not something I do. Yeah. Most of my bowls are made from B-Mix, but like my redstone stuff is mm -hmm. like, I'm making stuff for me. Oh. I'm making a mug with a destiny symbol on it. <gasps> it's going to be raw work. It's, I'm only going to glaze the rim, you know, mm -hmm. stuff like that. How about you? What do you, so, you're B-Mix now. Yeah. I'm pretty much all B-Mix. Like I, um. Do you ever go for no grog? I, I don't, again, just because I, I... Lizzie said, f*** me, mix it no grog. <laughs> I like it okay. It's just that, again, like... She said she hates it. I did not, I did not, Dante. <laughs> Being into the grog is just fine. <laughs> but no, I think, uh, 
again, just like for when I'm making work that is like not my sculptural work, when I'm making something that's for, you know, my mugs, the things that I produce at a higher level, yes. like it's just easier for me to have a flexible clay body that can deal with the bullshit that I throw at it. And also I order like a thousand pounds of it a year. Yeah, it keeps pretty well in that bag. It does, yeah. yeah. Like being able to put in a big order like that, actually it's like, it's cheaper the higher amounts that you buy. So it saves me a little bit of money. And then what I'll usually do, like if you if you turn around for the our dear listeners in the studio, off to the side of my big ass boxes of Be Mixed With Grog. Oh, that's not a clip, Yeah, I got a couple others. So I have, I usually buy like maybe 200 pounds or something like that of the redstone because it's just, again, it's like, I don't that's use so it good. that often, but it, it is fun to like, recently I thought I'd like to start experimenting with it a bit again. Oh, yes. Um, so for my functional work, I use Be Mixed With Grog. For my sculptural work, I use Be Mixed Paper Clay, which I love it is amazing right. so so a lot of the times like you know you say paper clay to folks and people think like oh it's like air dry stuff no 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 this is like yeah, no. paper clay that you you still put into the kiln you still fire it literally it's just b-mix that has paper pulp added to it instead of like grog i think it might still have grog in it i don't know for sure i see but but what the paper does it's kind of like grog but like plus 10 strength and it right <laughs> and it basically it, it provides a lot more internal structure so that when I'm working in thin, delicate, you know, arms and right. tentacles and stuff that I like to make, not that I actually, I've actually never made something with tentacles. Anyway, when I'm making really thin pieces, the paper provides a stronger internal like structure and it makes it easier to work with and not me not have to have as many like outside supports to hold up this, the sculpture, whatever I'm making. So <laughs> that, that's that, primarily what I use. That was an old trick I learned at Alpha where before I knew about paper clay, because I don't really sculpt that much. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I do, it's usually like decorational stuff for pots, where like I like make sculptures on top of pots. But all the people, all the ladies rather, at Alpha sung the praises of paper clay because they used to use this old trick where they would like try and sculpt something, but in order to make it keep form, they would stuff paper in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And after a while, I was like, how do you get it out? And they were like, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, what? They go, it's just going to burn off in the kiln. And that amazed me. I was like, you can put paper in the kiln? Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, it creates a little smoke, but it, it burns off. It's organic. So, mm -hmm. you know, well, it just, it goes away. You get your piece back. It just, it just dies essentially yeah. in the piece. Mm -hmm. And that blew my mind that you can like put paper in the kiln and it like everything is fine. Yeah. Yeah. Because you put salt in your kiln and you're done for it. <laughs> it ruins your elements over time. But oh, paper, okay. it's fine. It's yeah. Good. That's actually the other nice thing about working with paper clay, particularly for sculpture. Yes. Because since that, that paper fiber that's mixed into the clay itself burns out. Yes. So your clay is essentially ending up with a bunch of tiny little holes in it that makes it lighter overall. So you can yes. make a big ass sculpture and it's going to be way lighter than if you had used a different kind of clay where part of it just completely burns off. Yes. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's nice. I love it. She's like, she has like a, she's like, daydreaming about paper clay right now. Yes, I've got that like crazy, crazy-eyed girlfriend look. But yeah, yeah. It's her place, like, hello. But for clay. But for clay. I'm yeah. a yandere for clay. You know, actually that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it for today. Thank you for listening to The Mud Peddlers with Lindsay M. Dillon. And Dante of Earth Nation. Want to say hi and see what Dante and I are working on in our studios? Check out the show notes for links to our websites and social media below. You can find me at lindsaymdillon.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, M as in monster, D-I-L-L-O-N.com. 
and on Etsy, Instagram, and Facebook at Lindsay M. Dillon. And you can find me at Earth Nation Ceramics. It's spelled exactly how you think it's spelled, but you can also find me on my Facebook fan page and Instagram at the same name at Earth Nation Ceramics. If you enjoyed hanging out with us today or you have a question or topic you'd like us to discuss, take a second to rate and review The Mud Peddlers in Apple Podcasts. It helps our podcast reach new listeners, and we really appreciate the feedback. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time.